0: You're listening to COVID-19, a weekly program that dives into how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed how people live and work here in Victoria, BC. This episode was produced for CFUV 101.9 FM by Andrew Hines and Glenn S. Here's what's happened in the past week. The BC Center for Disease Control announced that as of April 1st, BC has a little over 1,000 confirmed cases with over 600 confirmed recoveries and sadly 25 deaths. Cases have been confirmed in all five of BC's health regions with a densely populated spread in the Vancouver and Fraser Valley regions. In a joint statement released on April 1st, BC's Provincial Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and Adrian Dix, the Minister of Health, recognized the ingenuity demonstrated by BC residents during this enforced period of self-isolation.
1: And I think it's incredibly important for us now to maintain our strong social connections at a distance. It's one of the best ways that we can take care of ourselves and our families and our communities. And I've actually, there's a lot of examples that I've been seeing over the last little couple of weeks and days. And the things that that make me smile and make me realize that we are going to get through this together. One of them, of course, is the 7 p.m. cheer that we get. And my neighborhood does that too. We go out there with our pots and pans. Um, Things like people leaving flowers and groceries on the doorstep for their neighbors and how appreciated that is. We have been seeing young children having virtual kindergarten and virtual play dates. And I know more of the, the virtual teaching and learning will be happening in the coming days. Uh, evening gaming marathons with, with teens. I mean, my uh, young people in my life tell me how much uh, you know, they get to do stuff that before they used to have limits on. but you know what? These are the things that keep young people together too. We know there's stories of history teachers working with students to document their experiences during this extraordinary time. And I think that's something that we need to think about, the things that, we, that we're that we spending time on now and what this will mean for us in the future. We, we've seen more people um, with friends and family chats uh, on using social media, using video, using um, FaceTime than we've ever had before. And then there's some really interesting things like the Canadian flour mills are working 24-7 right now because hundreds of loaves of fresh bread are bought on Instagram every day, which is kind of different and good for us. And there are many other examples of people doing the right thing now. You know, the other part that we're seeing is community collaboration and, and businesses and communities wanting to contribute. And we've had hundreds of offers of support, many of which have come in to me in my personal email. Not that I've been able to answer them all, but I have forwarded them on to, to many of the great team that we have that are, are looking at uh, what we can use and how we can um, use the support of people in our community to, to keep people safe.
0: Globally, COVID-19-related deaths have passed the 50,000 mark, with over a million confirmed cases worldwide. On March 31st, the Pan American Health Organization Executive Director, Dr. Carissa Etienne, warned that with cases expected to escalate across North and South America, regional solidarity and cross-border collaboration will be key in combating COVID-19 in the region.
2: Although many of us are spending time apart to protect ourselves and others, We are connected like never before. We share this challenge and we also will share the solutions. What happens in the coming weeks will highly depend on our joint efforts on working and acting together, even if physically apart. Solidarity in our region has never had deeper meaning than it does today. The only way out of this situation will be if anyone, everyone, like Pops does his or her part while supporting others. Countries must work together, sharing resources, expertise, and making joint decisions that accelerate access to health services, promote research and innovation, and increase our ability to cope. PAHO will continue, as it always has, to help facilitate these exchanges between countries. We are guided by two pillars, the scientific evidence driving the global response to COVID-19, and the solidarity that has made us stronger over the past 120 years. We need to combine our solidarity with the best possible science to ensure that the actions we take are commensurate to the scale of this pandemic. It is science and solidarity that will empower all of us in the Americas to control the spread of COVID-19, care for those that get sick, and ultimately to save many lives.
0: Researchers across the globe are engaged in development and testing of potential vaccines. A Potential COVID-19 vaccine is being developed at Cambridge University. Uh, Professor Jonathan Heaney, the head of viral zoonotics, discusses a potential timeline for the development of a vaccine.
3: And it's going to be at least a year to 18 months before there is a vaccine where there's sufficient doses to vaccinate the most susceptible. And I think Understanding that's really, really important. And that whole process of getting from discovery, which is where we are now, to a safe vaccine that is, you know, where there's really no side effects, is gonna be a year or two. No questions. I predict, looking at at the rapid spread of this, that it, and, and, and really how fast it's gone throughout all countries and all corners of the globe, we are going to still need a vaccine in 18 months or even a year or two from now. This, this problem is not gonna go away. We're trying to understand about viral persistence, understand the asymptomatic carrier state, and indeed, you know, getting herd immunity, which is what people talk about, is not gonna happen in the next month or two. That is gonna take a very long time. Now, the other point to remember is, we had another coronavirus outbreak very related to this called SARS, we call it SARS-1. This is a cousin of SARS, and it's come from the same host, which is bats. Particular species of bats in China carry a whole family of different types of coronaviruses which use receptors that we have in our airways. And so, it's just a matter of time before the next outbreak would come and we would be naive to think okay this has gone away too let's forget it the point is that we're able to apply the same technology that we're using for a pandemic flu vaccine to the coronavirus problem
0: dr eric arts the chair of the department of microbiology and immunology at western university's Schulich school of medicine described his team's research to the london free press
4: so what we're trying to do uh, with this particular grant, and this has all come very quickly for us, is to try to develop uh, a vaccine to COVID-2 or uh, COVID-19. And we're capitalizing on the research we had previously done as a group, but mostly through Young, Dr. Young Kang in developing a vaccine for MERS, which is a related coronavirus then it doesn't take much to transition on knowing the sequence of this current virus and knowing the full length of the virus itself, that we can introduce those elements into this vaccine construct that we had already been working on as a team, mostly through Young Kang, and then rapidly implement and start testing it and trying to get it into both animal studies and early phase human clinical trials, and we're moving at a very accelerated pace, probably more so than we would do with work we do on HIV vaccine or Zika virus or other things of that nature.
0: And finally, for the headlines, what does COVID-19 mean for restaurants? Edward Perrault, the owner of España restaurant in Vancouver told the Vancouver Sun what the pandemic means for his business.
5: My name's Ed, I have a restaurant named España in the West End, it's on Denman Street, so pretty close to English Bay. Uh, We're a little local uh, Spanish tapas restaurant, uh, wine bar. Morally and ethically, I wanted to close the restaurant. I don't believe in people gathering in small places. I don't think it's very good for, you know, support the spread of, uh, of the disease, but at the same time, trying to stay open for the staff, trying to stay open so we have some sort of income. But that obviously ended as soon as the mandatory closing came, uh, which meant instantly that I had to lay off all my employees because I have zero income coming in. We want to try and basically sell some of the food that we had in-house already, but get a little bit of a takeout business going to be able to subsidize the staff. Even we've been just doing this for four days and we've already been able to manage to pay two of the girls rent. Um, It wasn't a huge amount of money, but it means a huge deal to them, it takes that off, you know, and that's just what I want to try to subsidize their income a little bit through doing this. I've conformed to, and more, what the government has required, so, I mean, we shut down before the requested shutdown date, it's very uncaring, right, it's very self-centered to to stay open completely right now, you know, if you can not conform to the certain requirements that they believe is... Is, is required to, to slow the, the spread of the infection, then I think you should be fine. We're serving half of our regular menu, and then we've added some things called bocatillos, which are like those little sort of Spanish sandwiches, uh, and then just try and get some food out to the local community, you know? I mean, there's still a little old lady came by yesterday and she just wanted a piece of meat. And she said she had some spinach at home, but she couldn't get any meat from the butchers, so nice to think that you're helping out the community a little bit, even if it's only in a very small way.
0: With more municipalities banning table service, restaurants are increasingly shutting their doors to the dine-in experience, laying off staff, and are more reliant than ever on takeout and delivery. Research by Aptopia, an app market analysis company, noted record increases in mobile grocery deliveries as more individuals shop online. However, they also spotted a decrease in the number of restaurant delivery orders. These decreases follow an initial surge in users for all four major delivery apps. Skip the Dishes, Uber, DoorDash, and Grubhub during the initial stages of social distancing measures. that's it for the headlines. When we come back, Heinz is gonna dive further into the world of food delivery during COVID-19.
6: One of the first things I noticed when this whole situation started was the change in how I looked at food. At first, there was a brief moment of panic. Thoughts like, are we going to run out of food eventually, filled my head. But then I calmed down, and my mind started drifting towards the idea of our eating habits. How would this pandemic change the way we eat? Looking at empty shelves and stores briefly made me imagine a world where canned cat food was a delicacy and chefs were continuously coming up with creative ways to use it. Like, would I be telling my mom about a delicious cat food risotto I made in a few months' time? Luckily, that hasn't been the case, nor does it seem like it ever will be. But during all the chaos of tense grocery store trips, roller coaster stock market prices that I won't even pretend to understand, and headline after headline of surreal news, there has been a shift in a very specific food sector here in Victoria.
0: In Napoli
2: When love is
0: king When boy meets girl Here's what they say
6: Pizza delivery people
1: When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore when the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's some old
6: And so I decided to check in on one of them Who Bells just happens
3: to be my roommate be <clears throat> I gotta
7: warm myself up get okay. ready. Let me know when you're warmed <laughs> it, It's weird, it interferes with the method uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is my roommate. Uh, my name is Benjamin Haupt, and I uh, am a pizza delivery driver. He's
6: a bit more than that, but he has been doing it for a while.
7: For five years, on and off. On and off. Um,
6: okay, might be going back a bit, but do you remember when you first started and kind of what it was like for you?
7: Um, like excited. Do you, like, care? I was excited because I needed a job first of all, and uh, delivering pizzas seemed like pretty much the coolest job. Um, in terms of, you just drive around and you listen to music and you, you you take people pizzas. There's kind of like a mythos to it, I think.
6: What is the mythos? Yeah,
7: I think just that it's um, like a really slack job, and it's everyone loves pizza i think that's part of it and you sort of play this the role where you are the the pizza guy it seems like it's kind of a almost a trope although i can't really define it more than that everyone's just like ah pizza guy oh the pizza guy
6: and pizza guy ben says the job has its perks
7: yeah you get tips which is sweet you get cash which is always exciting it's kind of roll of the dice um it's also the perfect length of social interaction for me you just walk up people are excited because you're bringing them pizza and then you just have to be charming for about thirty seconds, and then you leave, hopefully with some cash that they've given you.
6: Do you remember your uh, your first pizza delivery and what it was like?
7: I do because my manager uh, at the time was a guy who's probably around the age I am now, and he his name is Bart, and he uh, he was like. Alright, Benji. He called me Benji, which is always a sign that it's going to be... Like, most people call me Ben. Some people call me Benjamin. People usually ask, and I just say Ben. But whenever somebody sort of unprompted calls me Benji, I think, oh, here, this is good. You're one of these people. And he's like, alright, dude, I'm going to take you out for your first delivery. And then uh, he just was riding along with me. This is why I remembered so clearly, because I was so... I was like, ah, oh, this is exactly what I thought being a pizza person was going to be, like, this kind of vibe. And he was just like lounging there and he's like so benji what's going on tell me what's up and then he just like he directed me where to go and then uh we got there <laughs> i was he's like all right and i was like so i mean do i just it's just that i just walk up there and i do it he's like yeah i was like that's it he's like i mean yeah <laughs> i was like okay because uh, that made sense, and so I did. I just walked up, and I was like, "Hey, ding dong! Hey, uh, here's your pizza. Here's the, the total. How are you paying? Okay, debit. That's good." Uh, they took it, and I was like, "Okay, thank you." And that was it. And uh, it's it's it, yeah, it literally that was the learning curve, and it's it's stayed there ever since.
6: That was how things used to be. Easy breezy pizza squeezy. But then things started to shift at the pizza shop.
7: Uh, Yeah it didn't really tangibly change. We were just it was kind of on that that far side of things. It's like when when an earthquake happens in like Peru and you're like oh dang and you know that it exists but it doesn't affect your life at all and you're like so it doesn't really exist for you. That's kind of how it was up until about a week ago when all of a sudden it it seemed like we'd turned the corner.
6: And so Ben comes in for his weekly shift, totally out of the loop, walks over to the computer.
7: And so I, I logged in on our computer system, and it was like, read messages. And I scrolled through all the messages I'd missed over the week, and they became kind of increasingly, not frantic, but just kind of like, implementing this. Now we're implementing this. Like, now no contact. Now you have to stand this far away. And it kind of, like, they escalated quickly. Uh, So it was kind of just, like, funny to watch it all. I felt like I was an interstellar. And much like interstellar, he then heads out
6: on an epic mission. To deliver pizzas. And at first, things kind of seem normal. The only thing that's changed is the topic of conversation and the level of awkwardness.
7: Normally, I mean, normally in the interactions, I feel like I tend to lead just because I don't, I kind of want to like start the conversation. You know what I mean? Kind of keep people talking and just kind of like make the interaction go by. So usually, I guess I was probably the, the way that those interactions would be different. Because so I was like, oh, how's your night going? Ooh, you're socially distancing. Good for you. You're doing your thing. And people would be like, oh, yeah. Ha-ha. And it was kind of, it's kind of a joke. But also like, you know. It's rooted in the knowledge that it's very much not a joke. Uh, most people are just kind of bemused, I would say. It's kind of like, huh, isn't it crazy that we're this is happening? And it's like reality. Everybody just seems kind of stunned, I think, is how I would put
6: it. Have you had any like weird interactions where people are like kind of hesitant to like talk to you or like I don't know, like what are the protocols you have in place that kind of keep you safe?
7: We have to try to be as sort of hands-off and as no contact as possible. So that means that if somebody answers the door, uh, we no longer do cash interactions. We have to do the debit machine and tap only, which means that I have to punch into all the numbers, or I punch in everything in the debit machine, including sometimes their pin. That's happened a few times. Uh, and also including the tip option, which is a, a little <laughs> uncomfortable, just like looking at somebody be like, do you want to tip me? Um, But usually I just say that. I'm like, wow, this is uncomfortable. And they're like, yeah, we get it. Um, But uh, yeah. And then I try to like, you know, we do the whole thing. And then I hand off the pizzas, trying to be as like distant as possible. I reach out my arms as far as they'll go. And they reach out as far as they'll go. Uh, I usually have to kind of talk us through the whole thing. Because people just forget automatically. And I reach for the machine. I'll pull it away and be like, sorry, I can't can't let you touch this. Uh, Usually by the, like when they've already touched it by that point. But I, um. You know and on top of that then i sanitize the machine after every delivery uh and i just try to wash my hands as often as possible usually like when i get back to the shop like between just like between anything that i'm doing just trying to always make it make it the habit so
6: have you noticed a shift in towards people's gratitude towards you since like the shift of like becoming an essential service
7: i don't i wouldn't say so
6: even like in terms of like the amount of tips you get or anything
7: it's hard to say. Tips are so variable. Um there's definitely been a couple people who were like, "Oh, thank you. Stay safe." Like you like so stoked you guys are still delivering, but um I don't think I it's yeah. Nothing that I would say is a, like I don't think so. Really. Nothing super noticeable.
6: And this kind of struck me as odd. I thought for sure there would have been some kind of noticeable shift in the way people looked at pizza deliveries. So, I decided to get a second opinion. Glenn, the CFEV station manager, and myself hatched a plan. We would both order a pizza for delivery, and then try to interview whoever showed up to drop it off. It couldn't fail. Except it did. For Glenn. When I asked Glenn to send me the interview the next day, he sent me this instead.
0: In an otherwise crazy world, you can always rely on pizza. It was a perfect night, the perfect combination. I would get to be productive, be able to help Heinz research the state of pizza delivery. and got to interact with another actual human being for the first time in forever. And I'd get a pizza. I made my order online and I patiently checked the app. I saw the little map, saw my pizza come closer and closer. As the delivery turned down my street, I picked up my microphone and headed out of the door. Been so long since I talked to someone. Don't make it awkward. Don't make it awkward. Don't make it awkward. I mumbled to myself as I padded down the hallway. Oh, finally human interaction. Human inter. Why is my pizza sitting on the stoop? Where's the delivery person? Wait, is that them driving away? Or are, are they? They're waving. Oh, Heinz is not gonna be happy with this.
6: so it was all up to me i ordered the pizza mushroom chicken and peppers and then i stared at the domino's pizza tracker first the grill was fired up by someone named peter then heather threw it in then they inspected it for quality i'm assuming this was done with custom pizza magnifying glasses then it was at the door And I was honestly pretty nervous. What if they didn't want to be interviewed? What if they were freaked out and like ran from my front yard like I was some kind of pizza eating monster? I was getting pretty panicked. And then there was a knock on my door. I went outside and I saw this guy in a bike helmet standing pretty far away from the porch. And I asked him if I could interview him. And he said he was pretty busy but maybe we could do it over Skype or something. All right. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. This is kind of out of the blue for you.
8: Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I am. I'm actually going into journalism at Carleton University next year. So
6: this is, is Boschko. And yeah, he also delivers pizzas. Do you get a, I don't know. Do you get asked to be interviewed like often as a pizza delivery person?
8: No, this is the first time. Okay, cool. Well,
6: yeah. I'm honored. When did you start delivering pizzas in Victoria?
8: Um, I got the job in, like, towards the end of August, uh, last okay. year, August 2019. And I actually got hired at the Bay Street Domino's first, um, and then worked there for, like, a week or a week and a half, and then just got transferred to the Oak Bay one, which is – um better for biking i think and that's what i i'm on the electric bike so
6: yeah i noticed that right away you had the helmet on and just like pizza guy ben he was also pretty into the idea of delivering pizzas
8: um yeah well i was i was pretty excited because i worked at mcdonald's before that for like probably eight months before that um just to get a bit of money in like 10 and 11 and that was pretty painful
6: Bosko said he was just bored at McDonald's. He was standing all day and not really doing what he wanted, which is being outside. So when he heard from his friend that he could get paid and tipped to bike around delivering pizzas, he was sold. What were your first few deliveries like? Do you have any like funny stories or any like mishaps happen?
8: Um, yeah, my first delivery actually was like to a little complex, um, kind of on the other side of Hillside. But on the map, like there was only one way to get in, and it was my very first delivery. I had one training shift that was basically just like they showed me around the store for a couple hours, and then they're like, "Okay, you you're ready to go?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I went out, and um, and then it took me a while to get there because I kind of got lost, even though it was really close. Like it was there was only one way to get in, and I got kind of confused, so I got lost. It Took me like an extra eight, probably yeah, eight or nine minutes to get there, and then I got there. And the guy only had a $50 bill, but um, we're only allowed to carry $15 of change on us. So I didn't have the change for him. So then I was like, I don't know what to do. This is my first delivery. So I had to call the store and then like um, eventually got sorted out. But yeah, so the first delivery didn't go as smoothly as I would have hoped.
6: And most nights he's into it, he just rides around Victoria and it's pretty easy going until recently. What was kind of like the lead up like in the past few weeks where like all these developments are happening? When did things kind of
8: start changing for you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's been pretty hectic because...
6: And then just like Pizza um, Guy Ben, more and more notifications started coming in. No more ordering in the store. Okay, you have yeah, to so wear I and change gloves, was, sanitizing, uh, metal surfaces was, and door uh, handles every was, 30 minutes, eight and eight eight, implementing eight, the yeah, safe good. pizza handoff that Ben mentioned to me.
8: Like when it really started hitting Victoria and, and BC, um, everything was kind of up in the air.
6: Boschko said the night that I ordered pizza was super crazy, not because of the amount of orders, but because they were essentially working with a skeleton crew. And that's how it's been for the last couple of weeks
8: on a normal Friday, we'd have like 10 or 11 delivery people. And last Friday, we had four for maybe an hour and then the rest of the night, three.
6: It's even affecting the higher ups at the pizza place.
8: Um, Our manager actually had to deliver, even though that's not normally her job, because we're just so short on delivery people right now. A lot of people just don't want to work like they don't feel comfortable with working or they have to quarantine or whatever
6: and in the past few weeks the people who are actually able to work have been working way more to pick up that slack
8: since all this started it's just been like a rotating cast of five drivers that work i think one of them actually had to go into quarantine because his brother just got back from japan so he can't work anymore
6: but despite all the pizza mania that covid19 has caused Boshko still feels pretty safe at work
8: at first um my parents were kind of nervous about me working and stuff because they didn't want me to um, get sick or, or pass the virus on to anyone or anything. But, like, yeah, I feel totally safe at work, and I think we have um, good enough procedures that we're not going to spread anything.
6: And Boshko has sensed a shift in the way that people see him as a pizza delivery person.
8: I think people are there are um a few people like I delivered to a family that they said they just got back from the states so they're in quarantine and then they um when they like open the door to pick up their pizza from a safe distance they told me like how appreciative they were and I think a lot of people are doing are um pretty appreciative now that we're still delivering because it's um one of the only ways they can get food if they're quarantining or or whatever so yeah I think like generally people are more um, grateful I guess and but I think that's with everything now like everyone appreciates uh, each other a little bit more because we kind of have to work together to get out of this.
6: He's even started to sense a shift in what his job means to people. By working the shifts he does he's able to keep the location open and that means he gets to help people who need pizza more than ever whether it's to help them calm down after a stressful day to to treat themselves after a busy day of work or just because they can't leave the house this job has this weird new purpose to it
8: especially since I'm like I'm healthy and I'm young I'm not really um, as at risk as like say someone who has asthma or someone who just can't work right now so if I can work and put in the hours to um help other people, then yeah, I definitely take pride in it.
6: After talking to Boschko, I thought back to my interview with Ben, and the differences he felt. Ben didn't really see the shift that I had hoped was happening, or the one that Boschko was beginning to notice. I needed to do more research, and I wanted to be able to witness it firsthand. So I asked if I could deliver pizzas with Ben on his next shift. And he reluctantly said, yes. Hey, dude. Nothing? How are you? Just
7: got here. There's Randy, he's my co Nice. Uh, excited? Uh, deliver some pizzas? There, I mean yeah, there's no deliveries up right now. It might be pretty slow. That's cool. I um <coughs> Yeah. It's not gonna be very exciting. Like you're totally welcome to, but like yeah, are you just gonna record the the I guess like the transaction, the, the transaction? Yeah. yeah. Maybe get some like banter.
6: In the car on the it's way there It's going to
7: be pretty underwhelming.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was pretty chipper despite Ben's negativity. <laughs> we went inside, and after a tour of the shop, I sat down on a stack okay, cool. of flower bags yeah. in the back yeah. and waited for our first delivery. Okay. And as I waited for the order to come in, I started having my doubts. Underwhelming, boring, slow night. <laughs> These words started floating around in my head. Two whole minutes went by and then the order came in and we were out the door. I hope me sticking a recorder into the customer's face doesn't make them change your tip.
5: I mean, <laughs>
6: have you noticed if like, do you feel like the streets are like more empty now as you drive around doing these uh, deliveries?
7: It seems that way to me. Definitely seems, yeah, a little bit more desolate. Part of it, I, I only work Monday nights too, which is maybe part of it, but. Uh, yeah, they definitely seem quieter. And, uh, like earlier in the evenings, they seem more quiet, too. It dies off a lot sooner. Yeah. But I mean, even right now, it seems like there's hardly anyone. Like, there's some people, but. The odd construction worker. For, like, a spring, you know, early spring afternoon, evening, it seems very quiet. Yeah. Like the bus stop is empty. It's
6: kind like of 5 eerie. PM. Yeah.
7: Well, and especially now, uh, it's when like tourism and stuff starts picking up. And, yeah. Strange, yeah. but also uh, kind of nice.
6: It was weirdly peaceful to be driving through empty streets, which I'm sure is what it must feel like most of the time. Ben's delivering pizzas at night. We drove around for a bit and then turned onto the customer street. Of this person pizza.
1: Hello?
7: Hi there, pizza here for you.
1: Cool, do you want me to come down or are you coming up to the. Oh, uh,
7: whatever's easiest for you.
1: Okay, uh, I'll bug in. Okay,
6: thank you. We went up the stairs. Pizza in hand, thank you. opened the door, turned into a dark hallway, and they were there, waiting for us, card in hand.
7: Are you okay if we record this? It's totally fine. Oh, sure. Know. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I warned him it's not going to be very, super exciting. It's <laughs> <That's thanks>. okay. <laughs> um, nice. Total for you is 41, 21 altogether.
2: I have to it. Sure.
7: And we have to do everything for you. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? I, will, I will tip. I'll do the okay. 15%. Okay, thank you. Have you been
6: holding up during all this craziness?
2: Uh, good. I, I work. So I work at the hospital, so. Oh, really? My, my life has been basically the same, except everybody's really tense at work. Right.
7: There we go. Tap. It's not accepted. Okay. Let's try it again. It might
2: have just not liked where I put it.
7: Totally. It can be picky. Insert or swipe. You okay. will have to do that. Sorry. That's okay. I sanitize it every time, so. yeah.
2: No, the, the whole pick. point was that so that so I didn't totally, have to put my grubby yeah. little fingers all over yeah, it's
7: it. Okay. I trust that you've washed them, even if you haven't. Oh I'm i wash. I'm sure you have, yeah. Yeah, and you, you must as a hospital worker. Yeah.
6: Is it, is it stressful?
2: Uh, it is just because we're like all prepared for things to be terrible, but it's not really terrible yet, so we're just like... Oof. Yeah, <laughs> is, this st- is this it? Is it starting? Is it oh terrible yet? Oh. Yeah. Well, but otherwise, pretty good. Well, have a
6: lovely evening, and yeah, thanks you so much.
2: Thank,
7: Thank you for it. this. Thank you for the health service everything, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have a good night. Take
6: care. Weirdly enough, I, I did have this sense of pride in handing this person pizza. And it's hard to say if I would have had the same feeling if it wasn't a pandemic or she didn't work at a hospital. Either way, I felt pretty good. And I think Ben did, too. She
7: gave me a pretty good tip. Yeah? She gave me 15%, which came out
6: to about six bucks. Dude. That's pretty good, right? No kidding. We should do like a little like good cop, bad cop routine where I'm like, where you're like, you don't have to tip me. And then I'll be like, but do you want to tip? And then I'll lean with the recorder. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to tip are him? Are you going to tip or not tip him? He drove all the way here to bring me food. And they say it and you're like, that's it. <laughs> and that's pretty much how the rest of the night went. We got another two deliveries pretty quickly and just drove around the weirdly empty streets of Victoria delivering pizza while I continuously asked Ben questions. Is the hardest part of the job, like finding the address, like especially if it's nighttime. <laughs> do you ever like on the way to the delivery, like try and envision who would be ordering these pizzas and then like you're like, ha ah, ha, I got you. Do you have a favorite pizza delivery story? Like, do, do you get like an hourly wage on top of tips? Yeah. Has it gone up since this started? It's like a local business, right? Have you ever gotten very lost delivering pizzas before?
7: Um, I mean like, yeah, to varying degrees. Sometimes like the habits <clears things throat> will just be... What's
6: it gonna Maybe be? Going to... Back door? I'm a producer with uh, the UVIC radio station. We're oh, doing a story okay. on pizza deliveries right now.
7: Oh, okay. To yeah. Do with the whole everything. Yeah. Alrighty. Are you okay if we record this whole thing? It's totally fine if we don't. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, cool. Thank you. Total for you is forty-four sixty-seven. Uh, normally we do tap only, but since you have the gloves on, I can
8: yeah. Uh, we'll throw throw a five dollar tip in oh, there for yourself.
7: Okay. Cheers. Thank you very much. Nice.
6: Oh, you got the gloves on. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. I'm pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have you been holding up, all things considered? <laughs> it's easy for me. I'm an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. people are just like, yeah, this is kind of the best thing to happen to me in a while. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. Now everybody
3: gets to see how I live. That's right, uh, yeah. taste of your medicine.
1: Yeah. See how you like it. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> you guys will all be going nuts soon. That's true, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I right think people right. already <laughs> Alright, yeah, thanks yeah.
7: a lot guys. Do you want Have a good me? one. No, that's okay. Okay, have a great night. Yeah, have a good night. Cheers, thank you.
6: There she be. Dude. Sure you see like a lot of nice houses like, traveling around. What's the most pizzas you've delivered at one time? Dude, look at all these cherry blossoms. Five, two, three, there she be. There's so many on the street. You ever had like a bad dog experience as a pizza delivery? Imagine if you got in a car accident while I was recording.
7: I fervently pray that does not happen. Okay. Let's go over here. Buckaro. Just needed a gentle prod. Like we all do sometimes. Yeah.
6: Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Inside, 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 <laughs> that was amazing. You ever been greeted by such fluffers?
7: Yeah, pretty often, which is pretty much the best part of the job. It's the ecstatic dogs. Hi. Yeah.
6: Hi there. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. <sighs> Another successful delivery, Ben. You're on fire tonight. Be, you're, three, um, you're three for three. I'd be amazed how successful. what
7: oh, my hit rate is. <laughs> what, yeah, what is your success rate? Uh, my battery my batting average 100
6: uh, generally Wow People
7: getting their pizzas
6: Go <laughs> <laughs> You
7: know what you should uh, Sample in this podcast Is the Weird Al parody of Complicated By Everliving, Living Where it's about Like how he gets constipated From eating too much pizza After he goes to a pizza party At somebody's house And then they're like Take th- I had to way too much Take it home And it starts with like Pizza Party that's, that could be your opening.
6: I'll, right I'll run it by Glenn and see what he says. Also, I don't know, probably have to get the rights for that, right? Yeah. All right, well, I'll start start a email campaign to Weird Al's people. Weird Al's children. Yeah. After the third delivery, I thanked Ben and biked home. I could have stayed for longer, but I didn't want to take up any more of his time. I ended up talking to Ben the next day, and he said that throughout the rest of his shift... He actually did start to notice a surge in gratitude, but that it was just nice and didn't make him think he was special or anything. Ben's pretty humble. Uh Uh-huh. Extra
8: cheese. Uh Uh-huh. Pizza party at your house. I went just to check it out.
0: that's it for this edition of COVID-19. This episode was produced by Glenn and Hines from their respective homes located on the traditional unceded territories of the Wasanich, Sunghees, and Esquimalt people, what is now known as Victoria, BC. Special thanks to Pizza Guy Ben and Pizza Guy Boschko for taking the time to talk to us. Do you want to share a story about the impact COVID-19's had on your life, or the life of someone you care about? Well, you can email us at covid19 at cfv.ca. Remember, wash your hands, stay home, practice social distancing, and stay tuned for health updates from the Island Health Authority, the BCCDC, and Health Canada.